Marco on the normal radio. Free weed. Free weed. Oh, yo. Danny Danko come to show you how it grows. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on normal radio. Presented by High Times Magazine. See me, I say, boom, bang. Big respect. See me, I say, Danny Danko. All right, episode 78 of High Times presents Free Weed from Danny Danko right into your eardrums as we speak. Thank you, as always, to DJ Shock and Winstrong for the awesome, awesome theme music, uh, the Free Weed song. You can check it out on SoundCloud. This is episode 78. We're going to talk about uh, the half marathon that I ran. We're going to talk about our upcoming Denver Cannabis Cup. We're going to talk about the June issue of High Times Magazine on newsstands shortly. And a bunch of other stuff. We're going to talk about dabs, concentrates, uh, with my colleague Craig Coffey. And uh, then we got the cultivation section. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back with Free Weed, episode number 78. All right. We are back. We're back in the studio. It's been it's been a little while. Yeah. Yeah. But we're back now, and we have a we have plenty of show for you, and we appreciate everyone's patience. I know everyone was patiently waiting for this episode. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, episode seventy eight. Seventy eight. Yeah. So since we last uh, spoke, Dan, you you ran a marathon, half for marathon. a half marathon yeah. for normal. I did well for myself too. Right, <laughs> but, but the yeah. money went to right. Normal. The money went to normal, and I want to thank any of the listeners who uh, who donated money. That's pretty awesome. I really appreciate that. Um, we got over eight grand. In That's total, because High Times yeah. matched it. We, right. I got about four, a little over four thousand in uh, dollars in pledges, and then High Times doubled that, um, matching all the funds I was able to raise. Um, so yeah, over eight, like eighty three hundred dollars for a normal foundation, and yeah, we ran the full thirteen point one miles. No, it's not the full; it's the half. It's like the right. half well, of the marathon. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I ran the half. So you're marathon. Really the half marathon man. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was wondering if maybe people thought that our extended absence was related to some horrible accident <laughs> that befell you for the. No, but you no. did great. You you I did. Uh, finished, I finished the, in the about half two, marathon. Two and a half hours. Yeah. Two hours thirty one minutes. That's very good. Um, yeah, it was wasn't easy. Uh, you know, I'm carrying a little extra, little extra <laughs> weight there. <laughs> well, you were telling me uh, your favorite portion of because this went all through uh, New York City, right? Mm-hmm. What was yeah, your was favorite uh, segment of that race? Uh, going through Times Square was pretty awesome. You know, so you don't I mean, get to do that every day. No, no. I mean, the streets were shut down right there, Eighth Avenue, Forty Second Street. You know, Times Square, that whole area. Uh, and yeah, my fastest mile was like my eighth mile. Once we got down to. Uh, to that area, I guess you know you got all the people cheering and their stands. And there stuff. were a lot of people, you know, watching the race, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah lots of people watching. Um, a lot of fun. A lot of people cheering. A lot of signs. Uh, I wore the normal uh, shirt and I had a high times hat on, and um, definitely had a few people on the side that uh, obviously recognized, uh, you know, the normal logo and gave me like the little you know invisible jazz cigarette sign nice. uh, and stuff like that which was encouraging and cool yeah. to see the people you know some people i think they just thought my name was norm right because they were like oh norm norm l yeah, <laughs> yeah norm right. l 
Uh, but yeah, it was cool to see that there was people there that 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 knew uh, you know the deal and yeah. and uh, now we, we before you did the race we discussed sort of a before during or after approach to smoking and and running. What did you actually go with on that day? I it was way too early in the morning for me to get high that morning. I uh, I did get high afterwards, uh, but yeah, that it was like you know I was up at before six in the morning you probably would have never in... gotten out of your house if you got stoned <laughs> right in that, well maybe you know uh, i i have i have smoked before uh training runs and stuff like that and, and there's nothing there's nothing holding you back i mean you, you, it's actually kind of frees your mind in a lot of ways to just sort of concentrate on the one thing that you're doing and listen to your breathing and and you know it puts you in that in the moment so which is nice for running and then you know you sweat out you know uh you know, as you're burning fat, you know you're releasing THC and you're getting that runner's high, like <laughs> an extra little bit of runner's high. So that was uh, yeah, that was fun, and it was it was a great experience, and it was uh, uh, amazing that I was able to raise that much money. I was not expecting that. I thought, um, you know, originally the goal was uh, to get to five thousand and to sort of get to eight thousand. That was you know, and I didn't expect to get to five. So no, that's that's impressive. <clears throat> that's, yeah, that's it was a good cool. Amount. And yeah, shout out to. You know, high times for for matching that as Very well, cool. and our sponsors BC Northern Lights, who who put in a, a substantial uh, amount of money uh, just early on to sort of get me going and and get the uh, the good get, people over at BC Northern Lights. They always have your back. Yeah, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. I thank really guys, I appreciate yeah. their support. So, yeah, thanks to to them for that, and thanks to everyone who participated. Thanks to everyone who uh, said kind words or donated money or just you know told me to just keep on running i really uh it was a fun experience it was uh it was a great time and and for a good cause and i got to lose a couple pounds as well so that was great well if you're listening uh, right now but you missed out on participating in this you could always join normal you know support normal right now yeah and it doesn't have to be monetarily you could just join uh so we suggest that you do that yeah normal.org and uh, if you if you just want to support pot in general, I recommend you get a ticket to our upcoming Denver Cannabis Cup, oh, U.S. Cannabis Cup. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be huge. Um, we've sold a ton of tickets. Uh, some pretty amazing uh, musical acts are performing. But of course, as always, it's about the ganja, and we are going to be in Denver, where there is legal recreational sales for adults. Uh, it's like being on another planet, to be honest. I mean, if you're coming from a place. Uh, where pot's completely illegal like we are, and then to arrive in a place where the whole face of the city of Denver has changed. I mean, everywhere you go, you see dispensaries or uh, rec shops. There's green crosses all over town. Um, it's really, I mean, it, it's it's mind-boggling how different uh, it is. And so, and every self-respecting stoner should experience it as soon as possible. And there's no better way to experience it than to come to our Cannabis Cup because um, you've got thousands and thousands of people in town. Um, we're celebrating 420. We're celebrating all the gains that have been made. Um, and we're also getting together to make those changes all over the uh, the country and all over the world. So, um, yeah, come party with us and celebrate cannabis and uh, God, the extractions that are the rosin and uh, all these new things that have been just been developed uh, in the whole uh, concentrate world are, are just amazing. And you know, Denver's at the cutting edge right now. Uh, it's pretty incredible what some of the labs are accomplishing with the closed loop systems and now with the uh, heat presses and all kind. I mean, there's just it seems like there's a new innovation every week or two in uh, cannabis science, which uh, which you know now that it's been unleashed. Uh, in Colorado, it's, you know, the genie's out of the bottle and 
it's a very exciting time. It's incredible that just in the last couple of years, it shifted from every self-respecting stoner has to make the, uh, the, the pilgrimage to Amsterdam to now it's no skip that. I mean, go to Denver. Right. It's uh, it's centrally located in the states, and like you said, it's cheap to get there. So yeah, and if you if you, I mean, there's other stuff to do there while high. I mean, there's snowboarding and hiking and you know Boulder, all these beautiful mountain towns and Breckenridge. I just I mean, all of Colorado is, is an amazing state, um, and the fact that pot's legal there is just ridiculously amazing. So. Yeah, come join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's the weekend of basically 420. It's 418, 419, and 420. First time we're doing a three-day event. Um, Nas is performing, Soja, Jay Boog. Uh, Snoop's got his Snoop Wellness Retreat. Uh, one of those nights, I think Monday night, 420, with uh, uh, ASAP Rocky and, and 2 Chains, and It's just going to be crazy. We've got tons of great music. And, and you know, there's a bunch of other things going on. Uh, if you can't get tickets to those shows, there's a lot of other stuff going on as well. We're going to record two uh, live free weed episodes, too, panels that we're doing with expert growers out there. We're going to talk a lot about, um, you know, growing big and growing for, you know, production and that sort of thing. And, you know, growing for personal use. We're, we're going to talk about it all because we've got uh, two full hours, uh, one on uh, Saturday and one on Monday. So that's going to be fun, too. There's a lot of other grow, st- grow seminars. There's a lot of other uh, cannabis business seminars. I believe the uh, veterans seminar, uh, uh, one on concentrates. Just a bunch of really cool panels and a lot of very important information being shared. Indeed. So uh, if this is any interest to you, go over to CannabisCup.com. You can still get tickets. Uh, I believe there are still tickets available to those concerts as well, which uh, those are going to be some good shows at Fiddler's Green and at Red Rocks. So definitely do that. And uh, also, we still make a magazine here. So, that's um, right. We got the June issue uh, that's coming out. I think it, it releases uh, Tuesday, the 14th of April. Oh, cool. Yeah. And this is an incredible issue. Uh, my colleague Nico, who's been on the show a number of times, uh, wrote the cover story, which is about the strongest strains on Earth. I think this is the third year um, that we've covered this um, based on all the lab testing that we do for the cups and, and all of that, um, just finding strains with massive amounts of thc um the winner being uh ghost train haze number one from rare dankness 27.46 percent thc and um you know lest you think oh well i know a strain that tested at 30 something percent no you don't yeah well a you (laughs) probably don't and b uh you know we've we've done multiple tests at multiple labs so if there's one strange anomaly or some kind of a one test that came out high like that um, you really have to take that same exact product and test it at a different laboratory under different conditions because, um, you know, there can be issues with calibration. There's issues even with, you know, some labs that just want to add the THCA and the THC and, and, and you know, they, it's in their best interest sometimes to give people really high numbers. So um, with that in mind, we've had these tested across different labs and things like that. And the highest – this is the highest we've seen. So – yeah, so that's exciting. That's a great, uh, great article. And, of course, uh, I wrote up uh, the Southern California Cannabis Cup. So if you were there or if you weren't there and you want to know a little more about it, you want to see some pictures and, and hear about how that was, uh, I wrote the article on that that's in this issue. Uh, there's a, an article on Elemental Seeds, uh, which have won, I think, over five Cannabis Cups in the last couple of years um, with their uh, real OG and, and a 
um, just a bunch of great strains that they have at Elemental. Um, great seed company, uh, great reputation out of Cali. And yeah, uh, oh, a great article uh, by Elise McDonough on uh, women who grow, uh, which is this, you know, amazing thing, you know, that uh, women are growing pot and they have an affinity for the plant and, um, you know, winning awards and even in, in making concentrates and everything that, that uh, you know, guys are doing, women are doing in the industry and um, breaking the grass ceiling, so to speak. <laughs> And so that's exciting. <laughs> Ms. Jill is a participant in that, as well as uh, we've had her on the show. Yeah, we have. Um, she's going to be on a panel as well in Denver. So ah, I'm excited. Okay. It's usually like um, a lot of guys, you know, yeah, we have <laughs> tends very to few... be pretty male heavy. But That's uh, why when she came on Free Weed, it was such a get. She does very little uh, press and right. then, she you know, really to have like... a female grower of her caliber. Very Absolutely. impressive. Absolutely. Um, a really interesting article also on uh, Canadian veterans. Uh, this is by Chris Simonek, and it's about uh, PTSD and how they're studying uh, that in Canada because, you know, we're, we're basically not allowed to do that here. Um, but they're studying it in Canada, and they're giving uh, their veterans marijuana to, to deal with their PTSD. And they're having, uh, you know, far less problems. We have an in- incredible amount of uh, suicides. It's, it's mind-boggling. It's over 20 a day of uh, American veterans. It's hard to even believe that number. And I've had, th- I've had to check that number just to, to kind of wrap my mind yeah, around give, it. Give that to us one more time. It's something like 23 veterans a day commit suicide over a thousand a month uh, of wow. us veterans. And, and that's not counting the ones that are, dr- that drink themselves to death or they take, you know, uh, you know, f- a lot of pharmaceutical drugs that, that end up, you know, uh, ruining their liver and kidneys and things like that. This is literally just physical suicides, and and it's it's shameful. It's an outrage, uh, and it's it's a shame on our country. It's a stain on our legacy that we would treat people who fought for for us like that. So it's very interesting what they're doing. And yet and, we always have, uh, not necessarily with the pot thing, but we we haven't treated our veterans well since World War II. I would say it's just yeah. a well, you it's know, a real shame. It is a shame. It's like uh, we use them up and then we spit them out, and and that's just not the way it should be. We should honor them. They're they're our heroes. They've done things that are unfathomable for for most people. And, uh, and whether you agree with you know what they're doing with military action or not is sort of beside the point. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just the fact that, that, that that's what they had to do and they went and they did it for you to not have to do it. And if you're a veteran, um, you know, thank you for your service and please, you know, try cannabis before you do anything drastic because I've, I've met people who've said to my face that marijuana saved their lives. Um, veterans who've, who, who were at their wits end, you know, they didn't know what, what else to, to do or what to try. And they saw, you know, the words PTSD and in, in high times magazine or something, the something made the connection. They tried smoking pot and it helped. So, um, yeah, that's a very interesting article by Chris Simonek. And the interview is, uh, a big A-lister who some people don't even necessarily know is a, a huge marijuana advocate. It's Whoopi Goldberg. Um, she's one of the few people who've won uh, all the major awards, the Tony, the Oscar, the Emmy. It's like a couple of dozen <clears throat> tops who've ever done that in history, and she's done that. Um, everyone remembers her, of course, from Ghost and, and her one-woman shows that she used to do on Broadway. And she's on The View, I mean, which, you know, you couldn't be more mainstream than to be on The View 
telling you know the people who watch the view that marijuana you know helps children you know with epilepsy and things i mean she's really at the forefront of uh you know preaching to the non-converted you know the soccer moms and the and the stay-at-home people who watch the view are you know are getting uh information from Whoopi about marijuana that you really don't necessarily see in the other mainstream uh, media and, and press. So uh, kudos to her. Kudos to her for doing this High Times interview and for um, being interested in exploring uh, medical marijuana and what it can do. Um, so very interesting interview by Rick Cusick. Who you have a favorite also, Whoopi Goldberg uh, movie? Um, I got to say Ghost. I mean, she's Ghost. just, yeah. I mean, that's what she won her Oscar for. Um, she's great in the movie. She kind of makes the movie in a lot of ways because otherwise it's pretty lame. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly pottery and then yeah, you know, there's like those little shadow men that creep around. Yeah. 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 And and so Whoopi kinda yeah, and Burglar she, is she a great movie. That. Burglar's great. Yeah. Burglar's great. What's the one where she's a nun? Oh uh, the Sister Act. Yeah, Sister yeah. Act is good too. Uh, that's a, yeah. It's pretty good. Okay. But yeah, the Whoopi Goldberg interview in High Times magazine. I mean, who would have thought it's you pretty know, cool. But, uh, yeah, it's great. It's interesting. And so it's a great issue, and we're excited about it. Um, it's the May issue out on uh, – it's, it's the June issue. I'm sorry, June issue yeah. out on uh, April 14th. So uh, get your hands on a copy of that, whether it be a physical copy that you pick up uh, at the store or you can go to uh, – Headshop.hightimes.com. Headshop.hightimes.com for a physical copy. Cover or you to can, cover. You can go to cover to cover.hightimes.com. Uh, for a digital copy that you can read on a tablet or a phone or a computer or uh, a smart watch. Smart, yeah. If you have one of those fancy $17,000 <laughs> Apple watches, you could read it there too. All right. Uh, <clears throat> so let's, let's talk about dogs real quick. Um, I don't know if everyone's aware of this, but last week uh, there was sort of this photo that that caught fire in the media and it's you know a bunch of suspected uh, criminals that are lying on the ground and then their dog all joins them and uh, everybody you know said this is this cute little photo of this dog but it got us thinking these news reports don't exactly add up to what is is going on when it comes to law enforcement and animals and i yeah. just want to play this really quick i don't for think you. there's anything cute about it at all uh, let's hear what this uh Jerk has to say. Police officers in Brazil conducted a drug raid on a house. They demanded all the residents out into the street. They ordered them all onto the ground. One local resisted the officer's orders and began barking loudly. Finally, after several moments, the dog saw that its owners were obeying the police commands. And when ordered again to lie down on the ground, it ran over and gave up. The submissive dog probably saved its own life. Police in Brazil typically shoot dogs pretty quickly during raids. Yeah, this has to end. I mean, obviously, shooting people is ridiculous. And, uh, you know, in light of recent events, um, you know, we just it, it's got to end. You know, the, the shooting unarmed people in the back is uh, absolutely outrageous and has to end. But with the dogs, I mean, half the time, this doesn't even make the news. It, it, it's, it's really sad. I mean, what's the dog to do when there's a strange uh, armed individual banging on a door and slam? I mean, of course the dog is going to react in a, a defensive manner. It's their home. That's what dogs do. And, and their so, master is being threatened and yeah. people are invading this area. And the messed up part is... I think 99 times out of 100, the same cops could just knock on the door. The person would just walk to the door and have a regular conversation. You don't have to bang the door down and shoot 
dogs. It's it's the it's, show of force. It's an overreach. It's a show of, of force, but it's also it's a it's an intimidation tactic. It's something that they do to say you scumbag druggies deserve this, and it's it's a it's a fucking travesty that even one dog gets shot over pot. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, the way that you know, I have, I don't have, I don't own a dog at the moment, but I, I don't know what I would do if something like that happened. I, you know, um, that's your friend, that's your companion. It, it, it's just, and some, I mean, you know, sometimes it's a pit bull. Sometimes it's these little chihuahuas that are get. You know, not to say that it's okay with a with a big, more menacing kind of no, dog. But the point is that the officers aren't actually being threatened They're most not of danger. the time. Right? They're it's, not. They have these guys have punitive. mace. These guys have tasers. Uh, you know, you you could with most of these situations, you could probably call the person on the phone and say, you know, please put your dog in the bathroom and lock the door, and they would do it, and we and come out and talk to us. I mean, you're talking about potheads, you know? It, it's just, it, it's ridiculous, and this the police overreach has to end. I mean, what is what do what do we have to do to get them to treat us like the people they should be protecting? It's 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 really. I know it's gone way too far. I mean, to where they think they can plant, you know, weapons and they can shoot people in the back and they get away with it. it. It's just gone too far. And I know there's good cops out there. I'm not, you know, I'm not anti-police. When when you need the police, you need the police to help. You know what I mean? Like they 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 serve a purpose, but they they can't act like a gang just indiscriminately running around and doing things and then and then covering them up. I mean, that's just not what we pay them to do. And you know. I, I, I don't know. I, they, you know, it's up to the good cops. I think out there, if if you know, if they can stand up and and you know, be a good cop. I mean, is that a possibility? Can you just like stand up and say, "I took this job to protect people," and now you're we're not doing that anymore? I mean, yeah. The problem is there are cops that feel that way, but they're afraid to say that because the cops that don't feel that way will make their lives a living hell. And I think that that's the problem. You're not going to have any change. In law enforcement until that sort yeah. of dynamic is broken. Well, you know, cultures change. You know, that, that can change. And all it takes is, is a few people to stand up and say enough. And, you know, I mean, maybe this guy will finally, like, will finally get a conviction here because, like, now it's on video and it's obvious. Oh, you're talking about South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I mean, yeah. somebody said to me the other day, like, hey, why, why are all of a sudden the cops killing so many people? Oh, it's God. not. It's no, the it's, fact that they're being caught. Right. Like, no, it's, people it's have gone been, on for for years, a hundred years. years. Yeah, and I it's, mean, it's always been this bad, except no one believed it before because it was the cops' word against a citizen. And, you know, people – it was unfathomable to think that police were murdering people with impunity like this. But now it's being caught on film and, and people are starting to realize that this is a real problem. So Yeah, a real problem. Absolutely. And it's got to stop. But getting back to the dogs, uh, there's a, a Facebook community. It's uh, Dogs Shot by Police. You could uh, you could go and follow them on, on Facebook, and they sort of track these crimes and advocate for a change. So Dogs Shot by Police on Facebook, I would recommend that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, that was a bit of a bummer, but we're going <laughs> to come back with our old buddy Craig Coffey, and he's going to talk to us all about dabs. Uh, he's our dab columnist now, right? Yeah, it's interesting stuff. This is about how... Uh, grow, growing is changing based on uh, you know the fact that people are using the material to make concentrates, and so uh, the face of, of growing, how people choose to grow pot, is changing uh, about that. So we're going to talk to Craig 
uh, about that, and we'll be back. All right, you guys. Obviously, you want to grow pot. That's why you listen to the show. That's why you bear the sound of our voices. And, you know, you want to you want to grow pot, but you don't know where to begin. Try BC Northern Lights, okay? The the learning curve is reduced to a learning squiggle because these grow boxes are manufactured with you in mind to make it easier to grow any kind of plants you want. Everything is touchscreen technology and there's a grow box for every purpose. I love the roommate because here's a way you can just have four plants. Um, it's the size of like a, a wine fridge. It's not a very big appliance. Um, you can have it in the garage. You can have it wherever. You grow four plants, but you grow big plants quickly and everything's automated. The fans, the, uh, the odor control, the watering. Anyways, you've probably heard it all before. Check them out at bcnorthernlights.com. Uh, give them a call at 888-236-1266. And as always, tell them Freeweed sent you. And I believe they have some sort of a deal with six months of free nutrients. Who knows? But I do know <laughs> that you can contact them anytime, um, seven days a week. Put it down on a card and it'll pay for itself real quick. So check them out. BC Northern Lights. Love them. All right, we're back, and uh, we're very excited to have Craig Coffey, who – let's go through some of your credentials here. You are our DAB columnist, right? I am, yes. But when we do these events, you're also our, our competition director? No, competition coordinator. Competition coordinator, and what exactly does that entail? Uh, managing the judges, the samples, the process. Um, the labs. Know, the labs. Uh, you know, the, it, there's a lot of moving parts that, that come with – judging a cannabis cup it's not just handing somebody a box of weed you know somebody's got to manage the whole thing and that's me and then i guess one of the upsides of this is that you have a real uh, close relationship with the uh, the latest stuff that's happening in dabs and in cultivation I, as part of the job I, I am fortunate enough to meet all the people who are at the cutting edge of this you know actually doing it so i, I do get to hear a lot of stuff yeah all right and one of the things danko and i wanted to do was to have you come on um you know Every now and again, and discuss your latest column in the magazine. And uh, today we're going to talk about your column, Blasters and the Art of Breeding. And it's from the uh, the May edition of High Times, right? That's right, yeah. Uh, basically what we're, we're talking about in this one is uh, the changes that we're making to this plant. We always have been. I mean, if you go back to, like, the HID lamp date, you know, Danny mm-hmm. could tell you, like, the, how much this plant changed just from prohibition and equipment. You know, you got shorter flower times heavier yields, more potent cannabis. Uh, everything's changing again. You know, now that um, prohibition isn't such a looming cloud over everybody's project, they can lengthen their flower time. They could play with sativas and get different terpene profiles and stuff. Uh, you know, not everything that, that is desirable in a plant for smoking is the same traits that you'd want in a plant for making concentrates. Right. Now, let's, let's actually talk about that. What... Uh what you were talking about from before was basically like the combined efforts of, you know, the renewed prohibition in the in the 70s under Nixon and all that sort of driving growing indoors, driving growers uh, to seek out more indica dominant plants because they are now limited in, in height. And so it became desirable to have these big, uh, dense, you know, really pretty sort of indica dominant. Highly potent. Times. Right donkey dicks basically right. like big buds that were dense 
uh, and and heavy. And with now being the uh, you know that you know people are using them to make concentrates. You're saying that oh, a wispier sort of bud profile is perfectly okay and, in fact, more desirable than something super dense because um, that, that more surface area actually within the, uh, the tube through which you're, you know, you're blasting your, your solvent. I would say most people who are selectively breeding pot in the 80s didn't care very much about like, things like, say, uh, trichome coverage on fan leaves, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're growing a crop specifically for blasting that's an extremely desirable trait you want as many trichomes on every surface area as you can on that plant Mm -hmm. and uh and you know wispier bud that you would get from a sativa uh is actually perfectly fine to put into a packing tube that you're gonna that's true and the other thing that's uh, like the whole game used to be about potency you know who can make the strongest bud and now you know you hit you hit a ceiling of 60 or 70 percent thc and how much more do you want to put in there it really becomes a, a flavor game so people are growing for terpenes now more than thc that all has enough thc you know right. like there's, there's plenty of thc for everybody and now that's also i think the terpene preservation is also one of the reasons people are doing uh fresh frozen and live resin sort of things now where they're not even really letting the the, the plant dry out um, and and cure or any of that before they place it into their extraction equipment, um, and I think that that may, maybe results in a, uh, a more flavorful product. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Flavor is what wins competitions and sells grams at the dispensary. You know, like it, it, you if if the dab isn't strong enough, do a second one. But if the flavor is not there, you could do that dab all day, and you're you know what you're going to really get out of it. And uh, you know, so now. Does this mean people are leaning more heavily towards sativa dominant genetics for this purpose, or I think you, it's more like hybrid genetics specific you hybrid. know like you still do want the heavy trichome production and stuff because that's where your your the base of the concentrate is going to be, but they you know when you're just trying to expand the palette of terpenes, you have to look further than just indicas you know right right, so you get you're gaining some flavor by crossing a sativa into an indica, and you're less concerned now than we used to be about, uh, you know, just sort of keeping plants short and stocky and having them fill out um, the way that, you know, with the stacked uh, uh, calyxes that we were kind of after in the 90s when strains like White Widow and and, and things like that became popular because of their uh, weight, really. I mean, yeah, bag weight. You know, you could, one nug, the size of, you know, like a, a... you know, a little grapefruit or, uh, I'm sorry, like a little tangerine or something would be like a half an ounce, you know, and it would break up and you'd roll, roll a joint off out of like a little piece of it and just seemed to like be super duper dense. And now that's, uh, that's not something people are, are looking for anymore so much because of, uh, the fact that they're making them into concentrates. Now, is it the same story with, uh, solventless? I mean, they don't really it's not as important for them either to have a, a dense uh nug in fact they probably also would prefer something a little wispier yeah you know like th- these guys are just becoming specialists and um i think they're move a lot of them the, the higher end guys want to control the material the starting material they're working with rather than buy nugs from other people so once you have that scenario they're <laughs> going to start breeding for their own purposes and it's not going to be the same as it used to be you know that's just the trend that's happening right now Right. I, I, I can't think specifically of an example of a guy making bubble hash that is breeding and selecting trends just for that product, but I'm sure it, if it's not already happening, it will be soon. 
Right. And, you know, people are also adding, uh, you know, hashes from different strains together to sort of get, you know, different sort of uh, blended cocktails. Right. Blended sort of cocktail profile. Actually, it's interesting. One of the comparisons you make uh, is uh, grapes, the wine industry. And uh, it sort of helps you make this argument about the changing of uh, genetics for blasting. But would you say that the weed that's coming out of this is not something you would necessarily want to smoke on its own? I, I, not in every instance. Um, you know, like one of the examples that, that that I thought was a really good one is like the grapes and wine industry. You know, some of the best wines are made from grapes that you couldn't even put one down. Like they're just bitter and disgusting, you know. There's a lot of similarities there. I think really one of the reasons people developed those dense uh, buds was bag appeal more so than smoke appeal. You know, it's like, hey, you know, look at this pound. It's like all, you know, these big, huge buds. But there's also the, the prohibition element. Like, you're going to break the law in sort of a serious way if you're growing weed in most states, especially like when you're talking about the 80s and early 90s. And if you're going to do that, you may as well get your crop done as fast as possible with as much weight as possible and as much THC as possible. Right. Well, and it's interesting how that's changed because, uh, you know, now that people, there's such an overabundance in a way of flowers in some places that, uh, you know, people are kind of forced in, 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 a certain, in a certain way to convert that into a more desirable product by making it into oil. Yeah, flower market has changed in our lifetimes for sure. I mean, even the trim market. I mean, it used to be you'd throw that stuff in the compost or you'd make, you know, you'd make bubble hash for your head stash or something. Now, people are paying for trim. Yeah. You know, they're desperately seeking trim. Especially from, uh, from CBD-rich plants. Uh, right. That's, a, that's a, like a gold mine right there. Don't ever throw your trim away if you have a CBD-rich plant. Find somebody to buy it. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So with this sort of reshaping of, uh, of pot genetics, is there anything specifically that you're excited about that you could see coming around the bend? You know what I mean? Like some uh, certain aspect of dabs that's going to be changed for the better with this? What are you most excited about? I, I'm just excited about the new flavors. You know, bring bring on the Terps, man. Hurt me with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the last few cups, it was like, you know, for a long time, it seemed like everything was sort of dominated by OG Kush uh, and and relatives of that. And then suddenly, um, Tangies made a real strong the appearance. Lemon the lemon OGs. Oh, and the, a lot of citrusy flavors that people are now, uh, you know, developing. And so that's exciting. It's it's. it's there's a broader palette, and there's just more flavor. Definitely. All right. So uh, before we go, you want to just give us a, a quick preview of what you're working on for the next one? The next one is July. Rosin Tech. Rosin Tech. Google it very, now, man. It's like on fire on the internet. It's yeah, big, that's big the biggest thing in the last couple of weeks. You know, people have been talking about the uh, the Rosin Tech. Um, it's an interesting process, and yeah, Google it, um, get an idea of what it is, and we'll talk more about that on a on a future show. Craig will be back <laughs> to explain that in more detail. If you want more information on uh, how concentrates are reshaping the cannabis gene pool, go get the June issue of High Times and check out uh, Craig's dab column. Craig Coffee, thanks for joining us. Anytime, guys. Thank you. All right, you guys, we have a sponsor back uh, that we've had before, and it's Gorilla Seed Bank. Um, you can check them out at gorilla, G-O-R-I-L-L-A dash cannabis dash seeds dot co dot UK. Um, I know that's a mouthful, but once you get to this site, you will see all the different seeds that they have. You can look them up by Seed Bank. 
including everybody. I mean, Dynafem, Big Buddha, Greenhouse, Dutch Passion, anyone you can think of in the seed world. Feminized seeds are there, autoflowering seeds if that's what you're into, all kinds of special deals that they have. And they have a special promo going on with us. Uh, you check out their super iced grapefruit. That's uh, one of the strongest strains going, testing up at 22% THC and higher. And it's not just that. The buds are big. Um, they're very sticky. Tastes amazing. And that's the Freeweed promo that they're doing right now. So check them out. Gorilla, G-O-R-I-L-L-A dash cannabis dash seeds dot C-O dot U-K. Check them out. Um, we're very thankful to Gorilla Seed Bank for being with us. And don't forget to make sure to check out the super iced grapefruit at Gorilla Seeds. All right, so we're back, and uh, this is the cultivation section. Yeah, cultivation section time, and right. uh, you have a little grow tip for us this week, right? Yeah, I wanted to talk about um, the idea of links of, links in a chain, right? Like uh, Rick Kwan says, Cuban links, only built for Cuban links. But the important thing, and most people know this metaphor, is that if one link in the chain is broken, the whole chain is broken. So I want to talk about the five major links um, of cannabis growing and how you can avoid the pitfalls that lo- so many people uh, get you know, uh, bogged down in when they're growing because they're not focusing on one of these chains. So like I said, every one of these has to be at optimal levels and then you'll know you're growing well. Okay. Um, the first one obviously is light. Okay. Um, I'm gonna, I'll mention them all right now. Light, food, water, earth, and air. These are all very basic concepts. These are the links of that chain. So with light, you have to give your plant enough light that it'll grow. Okay, outdoors, that means full sunshine. If you're growing in a gorilla spot where you know, you're not getting completely full sunshine, you, need, you still need at least six to eight hours of full sun if you're going to have some of that uh, light be shaded by trees or, or bushes or anything like that. So you still need a lot of light. And ideally, you have absolute full sun um, outdoors. So uh, if you're on a hill, you want to be on a southern-facing slope of that hill because that way you're facing towards the sun more often. If you're on a northern-facing slope, uh, eventually the hill is going to shade out your plants. So southern facing slope is important outdoors. Um, light, whether indoors or out, is super important. And indoors, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, they want to use fluorescence, they want to use LEDs. The important thing is that there be enough light. So I always recommend HID lighting, high-intensity discharge lights, whether it be metal halides or high-pressure sodiums. Those are the two, you know, big ones. Uh, a lot of people choose both. They do metal halides during the vegging cycle, and then they switch to a high-pressure sodium in the flowering cycle. But you don't have to do that. You can flower with metal halides. You can veg with high-pressure sodiums. Um, the important thing is just to have enough light. So, you know, you have a three-foot by three-foot space. You could have a 250 or a 400-watt light in that space. But if it's four or five feet by five feet, you're going to want to upgrade to a 600 or even a 1000 watt light and let's say you have you know a 10 by 10 room 1000 watt light is not going to cover that whole room you're going to have to split it up into two sixes or two thousands or uh four 400s or something like that but the important thing is is that without the proper amount of light you are not going to grow great pot um okay food food 
is obviously also very important. This is the nutrients that you feed to your plants. Now, uh, the easiest thing to do, obviously, is to go with the, you know, chemical two or three part system like the basic GH or, you know, advanced kind of systems that they have. Um, you're less likely to have pests. Uh, it's going to provide all the, the nutrients that you need uh, and the micronutrients and everything in proper quantities as long as you uh, don't overfeed or underfeed. And that's important. Overfeeding is a big issue. Um, people think, oh, more food, plants get bigger. But there's a, a, a land of diminishing returns at a certain point. If you overfeed, you're going to burn the plant. You're going to lock it up. It's not going to be able to take in nutrients, and it's going to get shocked by all that food. Uh, you're going to see burnt tips uh, of the leaves. And if it gets worse, the leaves will die, and your plant will die. Um, so... Food is very important. I always recommend organics or even veganics if you can get your hands on, on veganic nutrients. But light feeding is, is great. You never want to overfeed. You want to underfeed or, or feed properly, basically. Um, and, yeah, so food is important. And if you're neglecting that or if you think you're going to do fine with, you know, miracle Grow or just, you know, one kind, type of plant food or something, you're not. You have to have... Uh, not only the NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, but micronutrients like uh, calcium, magnesium, iron, just all these things that need to be there in small amounts but really do have to be available. And you're not getting that from miracle Grow or a lot of the you know over-the-counter kind of stuff that you'll see at uh, like a major sh store like a Home Depot. You want to go to like a, a grow shop um, – yeah, you know, more advanced growers will make their own nutrients. They'll get dead sea salts and make newts or they'll, uh, you know, brew compost teas and things like that. But you don't have to get that complicated. You can get yourself a simple, you know, simple nutrient system that uh, feeds your plant properly. But it is important and it's part, it's part of that chain. Uh, it's a major, uh, major part of the chain. So uh, moving on, water. Uh, now, water seems very simple. You know, most of the time, you know, you're just taking tap water, but it, there's so much stuff in water, and it really depends on where that water is coming from. Uh, here in New York, we have great, great water that comes from upstate, from reservoirs. Uh, some people have well water. Um, they might need reverse osmosis machine to take the minerals out of the water and start fresh with something uh, without a lot of minerals in it. Um, some people's water has minerals that are great for plants. It really it depends on your water. It's important to get your water tested. Another thing people neglect to do is leaving the water out overnight uh, in an open container. That lets a lot of the chlorine um, sort of dissipate out of the water and dissolve. Uh, chlorine is not good for plants. So if your water is heavily chlorinated, definitely let it sit out. Let some of that evaporate out of the water overnight and um, then use the water. Another thing that people uh, forget about is the temperature of the water. If you have uh, you know, cold water, um, even room temperature water isn't, isn't, isn't ideal. I mean, water that's cold will shock the roots. Uh, water that's too warm will shock the roots. So um, a little higher than room temperature is good. If you're growing hydroponically, uh, a lot of times you have pumps in your reservoir. You have things that are heating the water to a level where uh, the oxygen is depleted. And if you're using warm water in hydroponics, that's a sure sign that you're going to get root rot. If your water is 75, 80 degrees in hydro, you're going to get root rot. So you might need a chiller for the water. Um, so something as simple as water isn't 
isn't as simple as you think when it comes to growing a pot because uh, a lot of times people will see these splotchy brown spots on their leaves and misdiagnose that as uh, some kind of a nutrient issue when really it's uh, contamination in their water. So keep that in mind and you know focus on the quality of your water. You might need a reverse osmosis machine to bring it down to very low parts per million and then bring it back up. Um, the other thing I would say is don't put nutrients in the water every single time you water. Sometimes your plant needs a break. Uh, sometimes you just need to use plain water and that's fine. The plant needs wa- needs food, but it also just sometimes just needs water. And so you don't want to feed, uh, put, you know, nutrient solution into your water every single time you water. It's, it's, it's overkill. Uh, okay. Next moving on is earth. Okay. Well, earth really just means the medium within which your roots are growing. A lot of times it's, you know, not soil. Sometimes it could be rock wool. Sometimes it could be, uh, grow rocks. Sometimes it could be uh, perlite, you know, sometimes it's not even a medium. Like when you're growing, uh, you know, in deep water culture, the roots just hang down into the, you know, a well oxygenated nutrient solution or mist. So, but that's important. Your medium is important. And if you're using a soilless mix, you want it to be nice and light and airy to allow oxygen to reach the roots. So uh, you don't want to take soil from outside like dirt from your yard and put it into a five gallon bucket and grow in that it's going to be way too dense uh as you water it it's going to get so compact it's going to be like clay and the roots can't penetrate through it uh air can't reach your roots to provide oxygen and you're basically just choking out your plant Uh, so it's important that your medium or your earth be nice and light and airy um as with hydro, you know, the reason the grow rocks have all are, are so porous is so that oxygen can, can reach your roots. And the reason uh, rock wool has all those little nooks and crannies is that so, so that oxygen can get to those roots. So that's important. You don't want it to be uh, way over soggy. You don't want your rock wool uh, sitting in stagnant water uh, and being over overly soggy. Uh, rock wool holds water very, very well. So it's pretty difficult to dry it out. Uh, as long as you have, you know, steady waterings, um, you know, three or four per day in rock wool is usually about, uh, about good, but, um, same with grow rocks, same with, uh, perlite. It's just important that your plants go through a, a, uh, the roots kind of need, you know, they need air and they need water and they need them back and forth and back and forth. So if it's a soilless mix, uh, you, you'll learn at a certain point just by lifting your buckets up. Uh, how much water the plants have used up or how much has been uh, evaporated by the heat from your lights and all that. And if you pick it up and it's light water, if you pick it up and it still feels pretty heavy at like similar to right after when you water, then don't water and let the plant use up the water that's already there. Um, You don't want to drown it. So that's earth. And then finally, the fifth uh, big cog or big uh, chain in this link is air. And there's several facets to air, okay? Uh, one is air circulation, so that the air at leaf at your leaf surface isn't stagnant. And you can do this very simply by just having an oscillating fan in your grow room that just goes back and forth and gets, it just makes every plant's leaves move a little bit. When the leaves just sit there, they quickly deplete the CO2 from the air around them, and then your plant stops growing. So uh, I like to tell people, you know, just make sure every leaf moves around a little bit 
uh, you don't want to, you know, blast your plants with uh, with fans like on high right on the plant either. You know, that's a little little much, and then the plant, um, you know, the plant is being shocked by uh, the wind of that. But if the oscillating fan is just moving around and all your plants are sort of just gently sort of shimmering in the breeze, that's that's a really good sign. Um, the other uh, factor of air is you have to get the hot and stagnant and spent air out. So um, that's an exhaust fan. You need an exhaust fan in any real major grow uh, that you're trying to produce flowers in. You have to have the air that's being spent removed. Uh, the idea is hot air rises, as we all know. So you want to expel the air from the highest uh, point that you can get to in your grow space um, that's where the hot spent air will rise to and if you're bringing in fresh air which you have to do as well um, you want that to come in uh, lower than your plants so that you know it works its way up you have to have that fresh air because it provides co2 and it just you know it keeps the heat moving so that you're not in this big hot stagnant space um, humidity is another factor of air that's very important. If it's too humid, uh, you know, 60, 70, 80%, you have to do something about it. If it's too dry, 20%, you have to do something about that, whether it be a dehumidifier or a humidifier or, you know, finding unique ways to, to change the humidity in your space. But those are all major, major factors. So if you're focused on something really minor, uh, uh, like, you know, reflection and making sure that, you know, every, every plant gets some light towards the bottom and you're really heavily focused on that and making, you know, putting mirrors and, 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 uh, you know, different mylar and, and, and flat white paint everywhere. And you're totally ignoring the amount of heat that's generated or, um, the fact that you're over or under watering or the fact that, you know, you're not providing enough light for plants to grow then you're putting minor before major. And these five things are so major that you have to dial them in and then you can work on things uh, that are not as major as these five uh, links in the chain of cannabis growing. And I hope that helped you guys. Um, I hope, if anything, that you're just able to focus on making sure that uh, your plant's needs are met first and then you can get in, into you know experimentation with um, you know, something different that you want to try out or, uh, you know, start, you know, worrying about, you know, pest control and things like that. But if these five things aren't dialed in, then, uh, you're just not going to be growing great pot. All right. And you definitely want to grow great pot. Yeah. So make sure those five links are all in, uh, effect. You know what? Uh, you don't want to be the weak link in Danko's chain. <laughs> So what do you say we move on to uh, listener questions answered by you, Danny Danko, on Free Weed? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Let's start it off with Kyle. Uh, Kyle says, and this actually this goes back to our, um, our discussion earlier about women growers that we're covering in the June issue of High Times. Uh, Kyle writes, Dear Danny, and then in parentheses, and Mike... All right, thanks. Uh, just listened to the newest episode of Free Weed, and you guys gave a shout-out to Barnes & Noble for carrying high times, which I had no idea they did. So I went to the local Barnes & Noble with my girlfriend to find it. Uh, we stared at the wall of magazines they sell and searched up and down to find that they had high times in the men's interest section. 
My girlfriend, who is a stoner and interested in all things cannabis, got pretty upset and actually talked to the manager of the store about <laughs> gender labeling and how ridiculous it was to have essentially a gardening magazine, not in the gardening section, but next to porno and muscle fitness mags. Uh, so anyway, uh, cannabis these days is definitely not a male-only interest, and you should uh, make a note of this on your podcast to all the ladies out there. <laughs> Very good point, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. I've met a lot of uh, amazing women who grow incredible pot, and it does seem strange that uh, high times would be – you know, with the muscle mags and all of that stuff. We always it's, are. It's the porno, uh, muscle mags, and then high times. Yeah. yeah maybe drag racing too. Right, right. It's it's a little weird. Um, wrestling magazines as well. Or, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, more more men read high times than women, but it doesn't seem like a men's interest magazine. I mean, at, at least, you know, not to me. I mean – it's not really you know I, I think kyle's girlfriend had the right idea you know if you don't feel this is right talk to the people there maybe they'll that'll change their minds maybe they'll reposition it because you know if women aren't buying the magazine and aren't making it known that they'd like to they're gonna keep sticking it behind the uh the weird porno mag <laughs> thing the you know yeah yeah it's a, it's a bit strange uh, but you know the fact that they even have the magazine there is is a great thing and hopefully uh hopefully they'll move it into a more appropriate area Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Kyle, and, and thank you to your girlfriend for bringing that to our attention and also to Barnes & Noble's attention. Let's move on to our buddy Cuban B. He writes, hi, guys. Uh, thanks for the show and your advice. You've been a big part of me becoming dealer-free in 2014. Nice. So I have a couple questions about cloning for sex. And just to be clear, <laughs> I mean in the cannabis growing sense and not in the dark dystopian future sense, which isn't the sense that I assumed he meant – I thought he was standing on the freeway with the sign that said, we'll clone for sex, <laughs> <laughs> which is better than Dan's original plan, which was a sign that said, we'll have sex for clones. All right. So let's move on. Anyway, I'm, uh, I am growing up my first regular seeds. Uh, they are Quirkle and Vortex from TGA. Good choice. Um, after working with some feminized and autoflowering strains. Now, I'm considering cutting clones from the tops of my plants and cloning those to then flower and determine the sex of their mother or father, as the case may be. Do you advise doing that or just waiting for the parent plant to show the sex in veg? Uh, space is not a concern for me. I have 10 seedlings in a 3 by 3 veg tent. So I think that eliminating males early so I could veg potential mothers would be ideal. Uh, if I do try to determine sex with clones, do they need to be rooted first or can I cut and stick them and go right into my flowering tent? What do you think? Uh, well, it's two different questions. But yes, I do think um, your best bet is to take a clone from your regular seedling plant and flower the clone. Um, so you have plant A uh, and clone A from that plant. You you have to root that clone as well. So yes, the answer to both questions is yes. You ha The best way to tell the sex of a potential mother plant is not necessarily to wait for the preflowers because the preflowers, depending on the strain, might not show uh, or might be kind of inconclusive, um, particularly because you're keeping that plant in veg, and you, and so uh, and you want to keep it in veg for a long time because it's going to be a mother plant. So my ideal uh, way to to tell the sex is to take that clone from the corresponding plant. So you have plant A and clone A. You root clone A. And then, you, and then you put it into flowering. You, uh, you can pretty much 
root and flower at the same time. I mean, as it's rooting, you you don't have a, you don't have to root it under eighteen hours of light. You can root it under twelve hours of light, and it'll root. And then as as it's you know starting to form those roots, it'll start to show you as it's growing. It'll start showing you sex. Now, if the plant A is showing you that it's a female, it's going to look like a little tiny little sort of cotton ball, puff ball sort of thing forming. Then you know that plant A is a female. If it's showing males, like a little tiny bananas, um, little sort of yellow uh, bananas that hang down like in bunches, then it's going to be a male and you might as well get rid of that uh, father plant, I should say, instead of mother plant. Um, And you can make some more space in your area. But yeah, I mean, I think if space isn't an issue, then take the clone and use that corresponding clone to tell you the sex of the plant. Keep the original plant under 18 or 20 hours of light so that it stays in its vegetative stage. And then once you know the sex, you can take the cuttings from the plant and you've been vegging the plant that whole time. So you'll have plenty of, uh, of shoots from which to take those uh, clones. And then you can flower those clones out as your, your garden and keep the mother plants in their vegetating stage for future clones, uh, for future gardens. And that's really the ideal way to not only be dealer-free, but also not have to purchase seeds or clones in the future as well. You find a strain you really like and you can dial it in and you can hang on to it forever as a mother plant and you don't have to uh, gamble every time you grow on uh, whether your seeds are going to be something that you enjoy or not. You'll find something you like and and stick with it and keep it. All right, cool. Uh, Hopefully that helps you out there, Cuban Bee. Definitely keep us posted. And let's move on to Amblin. This is an interesting one. Uh, hi guys, I'm wondering if a male growing in his own room could develop female flowers if stressed. This is along the same lines as a female turning hermy. Everyone seems very concerned with females turning, but I don't recall much mention of similar occurrences with males. So he's sort of fighting for vegetable gender equality here. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, males can certainly uh, revert into uh, hermes uh, uh, due to stress. I've personally never really seen – I guess I've seen photographs of males that have become Hermes so that they're more predominantly male and then uh, female flowers are forming on uh, on those male flowers or, or among those male flowers. Um, but what we see way more often are females that uh, turn Hermes and show tiny male flowers. But that's only I think because we grow females and most growers don't grow males all the way uh, – to when they can get stressed and, and, and show Hermes tendencies. But certainly a male is just as likely to uh, show hermaphroditic tendencies due to stress as a female plant. Um, and some plants are just Hermes by their genetics. So, uh, you know, they're kind of like half and half. Uh, you, we see that as well. They're not, it's not always stress that makes a plant uh, uh, turn Hermes. Some plants are just born that way. <laughs> Makes sense. All right. Just born that way. Uh, Hopefully that helps you out there, Amblin. And thank you for that interesting question. Hadn't really thought of that before. Let's move on to Justin. Uh, Hey, Danny and Mike. Love the show. I had a question about storage. I accidentally bought extra bags of ocean forests last summer, and they've been sitting in my shed since then. I was wondering if this soil would be okay to use on my indoor plants. I've been worried uh, that it would be infested with pests or bugs uh, by now since it's been about a year. So is there a way to treat that soil without killing all the beneficial microbes and bacteria? Also, is there an expiration date for General Organic's nutrients line after it's been open? My newts have been in the corner of my grow room, away from the lights, at a temperature around 70 degrees, 
Is that okay? Or should I store them somewhere cooler? What do you think? Uh, okay. Two different questions. As for the soil, I mean, if they're, if, if it's been open bags, uh, then you probably are, they probably is some pest infestation there. Um, there are ways to, you know, reuse, reuse it if you want to, but I don't really recommend it because of the possible potential for, um, having pests in it. Um, a year is not that long. I mean, soil sits on store shelves for, uh, months at a time as well. So if, you know, if you open it up and everything seems okay, I would say it's probably okay to use. But, you know, bags of soil aren't that expensive unless it's like a bunch of piles, uh, you know, a pallet of, of, of bags. If it's just a couple of bags and they're 30 or 40 bucks, I'd say just bite the bullet and buy some new soil. Um, but if you open it and everything seems to be okay and there's no visible signs of any kind of bugs and, uh, you know, also if they haven't hasn't been like – um, through a cycle of like moisture and dryness and moisture and dryness because that can really mess up the soil as well. Um, so that's what I would say about that. And as for the nutrients, um, well, first off, General Organics is a part of General Hydroponics. They were just purchased um, by Scotts and Miracle Grow, and I'm sure, Ooh. yeah, I'm sure if you've listened to the show uh, previous episodes, you know how I feel uh, about Scotts and Miracle Grow and. Um, Monsanto and all of that sort of thing, and you'll know that I don't, uh, not a big fan. Is <laughs> fair. So yeah. yeah, I'm not a big fan of those companies. I'm not a big fan of the products that they produced. So and throw that out and go get yeah, yourself some new it. nutrients. But um, <laughs> as to your question, though, nutrients sh- should not be kept in warm areas or exposed to light. They should be in a cool, dark place. Um, so if they haven't, then they probably have uh, reduced in their uh, strength and that sort of thing or changed in their, you know, structure. So, uh, the first part of that is that general hydro is probably not the, not the greatest company to purchase, uh, plant foods from right now. And also just keep your, uh, and your future nutrients in a cool, dark place. Uh, I see way too often I walk into a grow room and I see the nutrients in the grow room under the lights on a shelf or something. That's just, not wise not a good thing to do it's too warm it's too bright um it's all the things that that degrade nutrients right there um so yeah keep them in a separate area cool dark place and uh you should be fine also another thing is people i don't think people really shake up the nutrients before they mix them sometimes I've, i've noticed and a lot of these especially organic nutrients tend to separate in in ways in the bottle so really shake them up uh, before you pour it into your uh, your solution that you plan to feed to your plants. All right. Thank you, Justin, for that question. We hope that helps. And uh, definitely fuck miracle Grow. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Steely Dan. This is a good one. I think I could handle it for you. Uh, hi, Dan. I really appreciate your words on freeing the many out there who have been incarcerated for medical marijuana. I guess he meant marijuana in general. Uh, I forgot the name of the person who started this topic in episode 76. Anyway, you guys rock. Well, that person was Bill Maher. That was Bill Maher, who we played a little clip from. He was calling on Obama to free all the pot prisoners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a very passionate uh, appeal from, from Mr. Maher. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's definitely a thing that I, I kind of go back to a lot. It's that um, this thing isn't over until all the nonviolent prisoners are free. And... So that's why we fight. I mean, that's really literally uh, one of the major reasons why I'm even involved in marijuana law reform and activism is because 
people's lives are being ruined. Their families are separated. They're being, I mean, they're going to jail. These, they're being put in, these are nonviolent pot, pot growers and, and sellers and, and enthusiasts that are being put into these crazy situations with uh, people who don't have their best interests at heart, some of them, and uh, who are violent criminals. And so it can't help but change people. And I've had people, friends of mine that have gone through that, uh, several you know, friends and, and um, acquaintances and family and stuff. And it's just really, it's one of the biggest tragedies of the drug war is that you're taking these nonviolent, uh, you know, flower growers, and you're putting them in a place filled with predators and, and, People who don't think twice about committing violent acts, some of them. So, uh, yeah, I, I thank you for your kind words. Thanks for you know s- the support. And like I said, um, it's wonderful that places like Denver are legalizing pot. But we have to remember that Eddie Lip is in prison for growing pot, and in Colorado. I mean, he's he grew the pot in California, but he's in a Colorado federal prison right now uh, for the crime of growing marijuana. So we really do have a long way to go and and a major part of that is what we've talked about today um pot for ptsd um you know stopping the the violent acts that are occurring towards people and dogs and not throwing people in in prison and having them lose their college loans and having them lose their uh you know uh, families and, and it's just it's it's too many tragedies to even begin to comprehend but we have to we have to and that. So that that's another reason why we call this free weed because it's it's about free freeing the weed prisoners as well. It absolutely is. And this may not be the best time to bring this up given the serious nature of the topic that you just uh, were discussing. But fun fact, uh, that letter was from Steely Dan and Steely Dan is actually the band is named after a strap-on dildo in Naked Lunch. Wow. Just thought I'd put that out there. <laughs> Did you know okay. that that the I band was didn't. named after? I thought uh, I thought Steely Dan was like a, a, a like a uh, what's the kind of thing that keeps you from having sex? Like a oh, like a like a mm, chastity, chastity belt, belt. Like a chastity belt kind of thing. That That's, would make sense, but no, the the, the strap on dildo is named Steely Dan. Interesting, Burroughs. What a trip! But yes, thank you very much, Steely Dan, for uh, for those words, and we also thank Bill Maher for you know. You could think what you want of him, but uh, he he consistently every week goes on television and talks about you know pot being uh, safe and reasonable and um, freeing pot prisoners. So we appreciate that. All right, let us move on to Puff Tentacle, who writes hello from Alaska. I've recently decided to exercise my new legal ability to grow. Very awesome. cool. Yeah. I ordered some Trans Siberian Autofem seeds from Gorilla Seeds at Danny's recommendation. And anyway, I'm going to plant them in my tiny greenhouse in the backyard and see what happens. Now, I'm a little worried about the smell attracting attention from people walking the trails behind my house. Are there any autofem varieties out there that are bred to have little or no odor? What do you think? Uh, I wouldn't say no odor. Um, little odor? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are. Uh, uh, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I mean, if they're in a greenhouse... Uh, they're not just out there in the open air, then there's not going to be quite as much of an odor. Um, it really depends how close people are walking to this greenhouse. But if, if they're further than 50 to 100 feet away, uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, and, you know, autoflowering plants, uh, feminized plants tend to have less of a scent in a lot of ways than uh, regular ones anyway. So, and they're going to stay shorter. 
Um, they're going to flower automatically, obviously, because they're auto flowers. So they're not going to be big. You said it's a tiny greenhouse. Um, so I don't think uh, you have too much to worry about when it comes to the odor. Uh, I don't know of a particularly odorless strain uh, right off uh, off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would say um, you're not growing big, giant plants. Uh, they're autoflowering feminized plants, so they're not going to – they're not going to near, generate nearly as much odor as uh, a fully ripe, you know, three-month-old uh, big plant. Um, so, yeah, I think you'll be okay with the otter flowers. If I have a question, though. What, are you just doing that to be polite to the people? Because it's legal to grow there. Well, yeah, that's another part of the question. It's like, okay. hey, I, I mean, maybe he's worried that they'll smell it and they'll then they'll want to take the plants okay. or something. I, yeah. I would think maybe that's the case. But – uh, in that, and if that's the case, you know, put up some fencing or some kind of uh, uh, security measures so that even if they do smell it, um, they can't come and take it. <laughs> you know, because just smelling it's not going to really, hopefully, uh, cause a, too much of an alarm in a place where you're allowed to grow. Agreed. All right, so we're we're a little short on time, but he's asking for for tips for first time outdoor growers. Since we're short, could you just give him one tip off the top of your head for an outdoor grower first time? Um. Hmm, that's a good one. Tips for outdoor growers, first-time growers. Uh, don't grow in native soil. So dig a hole uh, as big as you can and fill it with a nice, loose, airy, soilless mix. And and then use mulch as well on top so that uh, it doesn't wash away if you get a lot of rain or, or flooding or anything. And yeah, just, you know, don't just plant a seed in the ground because uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, it's just too dense uh, and the plant will grow very slowly. But if you give the, the roots uh, room to breathe, you'll get much bigger plants much quicker. And, uh, you know, just stay on top of watering as well, because with that loose mix, the water is going uh, to come out of there much quicker it's going to get used up by the plant and evaporate so stay on top of watering and uh dig dig holes cool all right thank you very much puff tentacle also i just have to say very quickly he has is that a... was is that also some kind of a dildo or something puff? <laughs> no okay no but i do have a fun fact uh, puff tentacle has a quote here attributed to plato and it says i used to do drugs i still do but i used to too plato that, I believe, is a Mitch Hedberg Yeah, joke. that's Hedberg. Yeah. Rest in peace, Just Hedberg. To say, but, yeah, if you that... don't know who that is, Google him. Oh, yeah. You'll be happy you did. Very funny comedian. All right. So let's uh, move on here to our buddy uh, Carlton. In your opinion, if cannabis were legal all over the U.S., what state would have the best climate to grow outdoors? What do you think? Whew, wow. Uh, outdoors. Not greenhouse, but just plain outdoors. I mean – you know, NorCal is the first place that comes to mind, although, you know, they have their complications due to the uh, fog and moisture that they get in the fall. Um, I would think if, you know, when all is said and done, I think places like the desert are good in a lot of ways because, I mean, in a greenhouse, of course, because you want that, you want to generate some humidity. Um, so fully outdoors, gosh, uh, Maybe like Central California. It's got to be Cali. Yeah, Central know, California, to... I'd say, because NorCal gets – they get a little too much of that Humboldt fog and that misty, uh, you know, rainy fall that really causes a lot of problems with bud rot and, and uh, pythium and, and powdery mildew and things like that. So, yeah, some Central California, somewhere, somewhere where they get tons of sunlight, uh, decent humidity, 
and uh, and basically tons of sunlight. That's the big important thing for outdoor growing. So now, maybe Arizona. Arizona wouldn't be bad, although it's going to be dry. So mm. if you're saying just strictly outdoor, not greenhouse, no uh, hoop house, no covering, which is what I would recommend in most regions anyway, just to extend the seasons and to, to uh, trap moisture if you need it and to release, you know, to control the, the environment around your plants. Uh, I highly recommend uh, a greenhouse or some kind of a structure like that in almost any region. But if it's just strictly just growing plants outdoors, yeah, I guess, you know, Central California is pretty good. All right. Hopefully that helps Carlton, who for some reason in the subject line for his email uses hashtags. I don't understand why, but he does. So we appreciate that, too. He says hashtag legal cannabis. All right. uh, Last question. We're going to Twitter for this one. It is from at Douglas Glass. Uh, Danny and Mike, my wife wants to know, what does it take to become stoner of the year? <laughs> Usually, people ask, "What does it take to become Miss High Times?" If their uh, wife is right, wondering, right. yeah, which is basically you just email Bobby Black at hightimes dot com <laughs> uh, and send photos and, and information on why you think you should be Miss High Times. As for Stoner of the Year, we usually pick it's someone harder. We pick someone famous. Famous yeah, is important. Usually. Of some um, renown. Yeah. You know, we've had Doug Benson. We've had uh, Seth Rogen. Um, people who are very outspoken in the media about marijuana use and normalizing marijuana use and legalizing pot. I mean, you know, Seth Rogen, Joe Rogan, people who who stick their neck on the line and just uh, debunk the the bullshit that we get from our government about pot. You know, I mean, how many years are they going to tell us all these lies and we don't have people – I mean, look at, you know, people like even uh, Miley Cyrus or Rihanna, people who you may or may not uh, enjoy their music, but they're still in the public eye and they're showing that marijuana is safer than alcohol. Marijuana is fairly benign comparatively to other uh, so-called vices. So, yeah, I mean that's basically how, how we normally pick stoner of the year um, typically someone from entertainment. And then we also have, you know, the Lester Grinspoon Lifetime Achievement Award that usually goes to people who are more deeply involved in activism. So, you know, you've got your B-Reels and your your Bill Mars and, and, and that sort of person that usually ends up as stoner of the year. And then you've got, uh, you know, Dennis Perone or, uh, you know, the Aldrich's. Vivian McPeak, right. Yeah, Vivian McPeak from Seattle Hempfest. Um, people who've dedicated their lives uh, to activism. That's who gets that Lester Grinspoon Award and people who've, who are in the public eye uh, showing the benefits of pot are the ones that are t- typically end up as stoner of the year. So what could the um, the sort of layperson do? What could, Do we recognize? <laughs> ah, uh, yeah, I mean, sure. It, it, I mean, look at like, uh, like um, what uh, the lady in Alaska. Uh, Charlotte did, Green. Right. She was not famous before she right. she did what she did. And then when after she did what she did, she became famous for it. And so, uh, you know, there's ways like that, you know, that you just sort of um, change you the game. In say a certain you're way. a reporter on the news and you epically quit your job <laughs> to go legalize pot. We will we will recognize that. Shit. Right. We yeah. gave her a, the uh, Courage and Media Award. Yes. At our 40th anniversary <laughs> the party. The coveted Courage and Media Award from High Times. Absolutely. I think that was our first time mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, so, you know what? Just go to our website and look at the uh, list of awards you might be eligible to acquire from High Times, and hopefully one of them will will come to you. So, if you but, have, you know, we don't do this work for awards anyway. I mean, like, I, I, I don't think you're I've saying ever you didn't get any. into this for the awards. You got into this for other reasons. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm I only mean, in it for the awards. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah, no, I mean, we're in it to make change and we're in it to, uh, to legalize pot, you know? So anything, if, if you work hard enough at that, eventually someone will recognize your efforts. All right. Well, thank you, everyone who wrote in. If you have a question for Dan, you could reach us. Uh, it's freeweed at hightimes.com. Also on Twitter, he is at Danny Danko. I am at Mike Hughes underscore. What do you say we take a little break, then come back and put a bow on it? Let's do it. All right, we're back, and I guess we're wrapping it up with raw papers. That's how we wrap it up here at Free Weed. Awesome. Episode number 78. I like it. Uh, yeah. Talked about the marathon, talked about the cup, talked about the uh, June issue of High Times. We talked to Craig. Very interesting conversation about how growing is changing due to dabs. Uh, cultivation section. Fun. Fun times. Nah. Q&A. <laughs> Q&A. Oh, God, I remember it all now. Yeah. It's like it just happened. <laughs> and as always, thank you to Jacques and Winstrong for the tune at the beginning and to BC Northern Lights and Gorilla Seed Bank for helping us help you free weed. Yeah, and we're about to go to Denver. and You should join us there for some live free weed. Yeah, bring your raw papers. <laughs> Indeed. Bring and that. a grinder because your fingers will get sticky. They will. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a dabber, and a torch, and a rig, and an e-nail. We're really we're putting a lot on the audience. Yeah, like we're not providing anything. We'll provide snacks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Snacks are on snacks? us. I don't know. It feels like we should do something. <laughs> or the 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 drugs. Yeah. Yeah. The drugs. Oh, big Grateful Dead announcement. They're going to be playing while we're in uh, NorCal, I believe, for a cup there in June. Yeah. Awesome. They just added two dates to that Fairly Well tour, um, which is really cool. So, And it's also good that you know we'll be in the city that they'll be playing. So that's good. And we can – well, not the city, but we could sneak down to Santa Clara. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's exciting news for all the, uh, the Grateful ends. Dead enthusiasts and Jer Bears out there. Yeah. yeah. Jer yeah of course, a... Bill Kreutzman, if you are a Dead fan, he's going to be at the Denver Cup doing a, a book signing. That's right. That's for his new book cool. called yeah. Deal. Mm-hmm. He's only the second mem- member of the Grateful Dead to write a memoir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very excited to see Mr. Kreutzmann. Yeah, that's going to be cool. People don't know. Cause... I'm like a closet deadhead. No, I know. I know. But yeah, the right. people don't know. People think I'm like a hip-hop guy yeah, or, or something. Like but this weird or amalgam kinda... of weird influences. Yeah. But I like, I but, like good stuff. Yeah. I like good music. I well, think so Grateful Dead is good music. You spent a lot of time in the parking lots of various <laughs> dead true. shows. And That's I think true. it kind of seeped in right. into your brain. Yeah, I was there for Shakedown. Yeah. And somehow they, they shook me down. Right. So there's that. <laughs> but yeah, the, we're, we are inducting, long overdue induc- in, induction. We're inducting the Grateful Dead into the Counterculture Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Very so excited. at Douglas Glass, if you wanted to know how you get inducted into the Counterculture Hall of Fame, be the Grateful Dead. Right. Make 50 years of incredible music live and trip out a lot. A lot. <laughs> All right. So that's the wrap. We wrapped it up with Raw. And uh, yeah. So there you have it. Episode 78. Put it in the books. Now, put it in the books. <laughs> oh, is that, that creepy? Dirty as hell. <laughs> put it in the books. No, 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 no. Just try it like a normal guy. Boom, bap. <laughs> <laughs>
big respects. Now put it in the books. <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's>, I- <laughs> uh, 